Hello, I'm Jesse Walls from Eaglehawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is Acts 10 verse 1 through to chapter 11 verse 18. So you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eaglehawk Presbyterian Church. So let's read Acts 10 verse 1 through to chapter 11 verse 18. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. 
I ask then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your arms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa, and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. When Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. 
As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for these words you have given us. We thank you for this story. Uh, We thank you for what you have done through the Apostle Peter, and we pray now that your Spirit would be at work in our hearts and our minds, uh, that we would... See this truth, that we would delight in it, and that it would shape us to be your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Beck loves period dramas. The costumes, the manners, the relationships. Now, to be fair, I'm happy to watch a period drama when I get the chance. But right now, I'm only seeing snippets uh, as, uh, of what she's watching while I'm in between different things and working. Recently, I saw the introduction of a new character to a small community. And it didn't go over very well at first. There were many social faux pas, unintended insults that he was making, And he was making it without realising them because the ladies that he was talking to were careful to hide their displeasure. It took time for this new man to truly become part of the community, to be accepted. That sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? How many years do you need to live in Eagle Hawk before you're really considered a local, do you think? Does it take 20 years? Or I heard someone offering an answer. Never? Never? Forever? Does it take 20 years or 50? Do you need to be born here to be considered a local? Until this moment in Acts, it was a battle for Gentiles, for non-Jewish people, to be welcomed into God's people. It was a complete change of life. It involved a minor but delicate surgery for men, an upending of your normal diet, a huge number of laws to to follow. But now we come to a new stage of church history. This story changes the church forever. This story is why we, why Eagle Hawk Presbyterian, can exist. The mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. And in this story, we're encouraged to glorify God for welcoming Gentiles. Glorify God for welcoming Gentiles. In the first scene, verses 1 to 8 of chapter 10, we have Cornelius' vision. And have a look at verse 2. Cornelius there, a Gentile centurion, is called a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the poor, and prayed continually to God. See, Cornelius, he hasn't 
added the Jewish God to his collection of gods. He's not ducking down to the temple in Artemis or in of Artemis in Ephesus, or, or offering a sacrifice to Hermes or to Zeus. No, he has abandoned those false gods. Even though he hasn't joined the Jewish nation by being circumcised, he worshipped the God of Israel as best he could. And it hasn't gone unnoticed. Verses 3 and 4, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. See, his, his prayers, his generosity, they were being treated like sacrifices. Pleasing to God. You might have a nice smelling candle at home, or you might use an incense diffuser to to gently waft some, some lovely scents throughout your house. God doesn't have a nose like we do to smell, but, but that idea of being greeted by a lovely smell is what sacrifice is to God. It is pleasing. Cornelius had this vision of the angel at about the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m., the the hour of prayer uh, in the temple at Jerusalem. So it's almost certain that Cornelius is praying too during this hour of prayer. If you're invited to a meal at someone's house, you might bring a box of chocolates, Not, not because it earns you their favor, not because they need you to contribute something to the meal, The people who invited you might even forget about this box of chocolates that they they put over there until after you've left. But the box of chocolate, it's it's a thank you, isn't it? A thank you for them welcoming you into their home. It doesn't earn anything. Cornelius' prayers haven't earned him an angelic visitation. But he's been demonstrating his faith through them. He's a man out of step of time, believing in the old covenant promises, waiting for the Christ, not realising that the Christ has already come. And so the angel directs him to Peter. The angel could have told him about Jesus, but like the Samaritans, it's better that an apostle do it, to welcome him and his family into the church, as we'll see. The mission of the risen King Jesus isn't going to be stopped by the pride of Jewish believers in Jerusalem. God is going to welcome Gentiles and the believers in Jerusalem will glorify him for it. That was Cornelius' vision, verses 1 to 8. And now, verses 9 to 23, we come to Peter's vision. It's the next day. Cornelius' servants are coming and Peter is on the housetop at noon praying. His stomach is rumbling and while his hosts put together a small afternoon meal, verse 10 says, he fell into a trance. Now there's a, a, a few quick points to make about this. First, 
This is describing what happened then. It is not suggesting that it is normal for now. Don't expect visions of angels or or, or messages from God while you're praying. Remember, this was a unique time in world history. Jesus is preparing for Gentiles to hear the gospel and to enter into his church. He is orchestrating the preaching of the gospel to them. Don't expect to see a sheet come down from heaven while you pray on your roof. Second point, this this isn't Peter's imagination gone wild. Now, I know, I know, he was hungry, and suddenly he's having some sort of a vision, some sort of a dream about food. Maybe you're remembering your dreams, which have been inspired by a full bladder. But follow the story. Peter's a Jew. Verses 11 and 13 sound like an all-you-can-eat buffet, at least to us, us Gentiles. Maybe he's smelling spices being mixed in with the meal downstairs, and that's allowing his imagination to, to run wild in a dream. But look at verse 14. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. This wasn't a dream about a buffet. This was a nightmare to Peter, the Jew. This was like being stranded in the ocean, thirsty, but surrounded by salt water instead of drinking water. The voice comes from heaven again. It's Jesus' voice. He's the one who ascended into heaven in chapter 1. And now he's speaking from heaven. Speaking earth-shattering words. Preparing Peter for what was coming. What God has made clean, do not call common. Verse 16 says this happened three times. This message took some convincing. Laws about clean and unclean foods were central to the Jewish identity. Its whole purpose was to set them apart from the nations around them. It's what made the Jews Jewish. Take pasta away from Italians. Rice from the Chinese, cheese from the French, sugar from the Americans, meat pies from Aussies. That's how significant this is. But even more so. Peter would never imagine upending what made him Jewish simply because he was a bit peckish one afternoon. Jesus had orchestrated everything so that just as Gentiles were arriving at the house where he was staying, Peter was praying and hungry. And Jesus gave him a vision right at that time, announcing that the laws about clean and unclean were no longer in effect. Those laws which separated Jews from Gentiles weren't for the church. They'd been given to the nation, Israel, setting them apart from the nations around them. These laws made fellowship with Gentiles almost impossible for a Jew. But the mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. The church wasn't to be distinguished by what 
they, what they did or didn't eat, but by who they worshipped, by their love for one another, by their holiness of character. Those food laws no longer apply. Peter puzzles over this. And again, the Spirit prompts him, verses 19 and 20. Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them, and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. In the third scene, verses 23 to 43, we see Christ preached, Spirit poured. In verses 23 to 33, Peter travels to Capernaum and finally, on day four, three days after Cornelius' vision, Peter and Cornelius meet. And look at verse 25. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Now there's two possibilities here. Either Cornelius is actually worshipping Peter like a god, That's one possibility. Or that word worship should be translated more like greatly honoured. And he was actually treating Peter like a king. That's possible. Either way, Peter's having none of it. He's an apostle, but he's not wanting applause. He doesn't want people kissing his ring like they do the Pope. He didn't have a ring. I would imagine. Jesus told his disciples that the greatest in the kingdom of God is to be the servant of all. Not concerned about perks, but people. Concerned for the gospel. Cornelius invites Peter to speak, to share the message from God. And what would you say? If someone came to you eager to know how to be saved, Who is Jesus? Are you prepared? 17 years ago, Guy Goma went to the BBC for a job interview. Unfortunately, someone at the front desk must have mistaken him for Guy Cuny, an editor of a news website who was going to be interviewed on the news. But Guy Goma had no idea that he had been mistaken for someone else. So he he was ushered to a television studio, told to sit down, and there's footage of him as he's sitting there listening to the news presenter that he can see over there presenting the news on air. And there she is talking about this recent court case in Britain and says that Guy Cuny is there to talk about it. And you can see his face drop in surprise for a moment. The penny has finally dropped that they have mistaken him for someone else. But he manages to quickly gather himself and fluff his way through the interview. He had no expertise, no thoughtful analysis. He was just a regular person. Guy Goma, not Guy Cuny. He fluffed his way through the interview. Can you do better? In a spiritual conversation, Peter doesn't fumble, doesn't stumble, doesn't fluff his way through, but he is amazed. And we should be too. Look at his sermon in verses 34 to 43. He starts off realizing that God shows no partiality. 
No favoritism. Just imagine that. The Jews have been the centre of the story since Abraham. But remember God's promise to Abraham. He was going to be a blessing to the nations. And through Jesus he was. Peter says in verse 35 that all who fear him, all who fear God and do right, are accepted by him. What's that right thing that they're to do? We'll see that at the end of his speech. First, he talks about Jesus. He is the Lord of all, not just the Lord of the Jews, but the Gentiles too. And he brings peace, verse 36. Without him, there is no peace. There's only war against God. Our sin is war against him. And he says that we see him bringing peace, verse 38, as he healed all those who were oppressed by the devil. And then he went to the cross. And he rose. And he appeared to his witnesses. And he ate with them after he had risen. And he gave them a mission to preach And what was that message? What was that right thing that people are to do? It is to respond rightly to Jesus. Verse 43. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Isn't that incredible? If you believe in him, You receive forgiveness. We are welcomed by Jesus. And we see proof of that in verses 44 to 48. As these Gentiles, as they hear and believe, they have the same experience of the Spirit as Jesus' followers did in the upper room back at Pentecost. The Spirit comes and they speak in tongues. And the Jewish believers who are witnesses to all of this are amazed. Now, we need to be careful here. This isn't saying that tongues are the normal sign of becoming a Christian, the normal sign of receiving the Spirit. It's not saying that tongues is a gift which is forever available to the church. But these special moments of the Spirit come in Acts when the gospel is breaking a significant barrier. When it came to the Jews, and then when it broke into the barrier to to the Samaritans, and now to the Gentiles, the Spirit did something incredible to shout from the rooftops so that Peter and all those who were there with him, so that they could hear Jesus saying, I accept these people into my church. They are mine and they are equal to you. God welcomes Gentiles into his church. And Peter gets it because he commands them to be baptised. Verse 48, if God welcomes them, then so should the Jews. And now we come to the final scene in the story, chapter 11. Verses 1 to 18, Peter challenged, God glorified. The church in Jerusalem hear what's happened, and some aren't happy. And as Peter comes to Jerusalem, he faces accusations, and again we hear the story. 
It's repeated because it is earth-shattering. One of the most significant events in world history. God welcomes Gentiles into his church. As the story is told, and they hear about the Gentiles receiving the Spirit just like they did. See the reaction of the Jewish Christians in verse 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now, there is a lot to unpack there, which we'll have to wait for another time. But they glorify God. These Jewish Christians were amazed, silenced by what God had done. Gentiles, these people who've been separated from them since Abraham and especially since Moses and the law, now these Gentiles are welcomed in. We are welcomed in. Who could have imagined it? People like us, so prone to take his blessings for granted, to go days, weeks more without spending serious time in prayer, who don't read our Bibles or who skim our Bibles really quickly, who get angry at others on the road or at our kids or at our parents. At least Cornelius was a model of faithfulness. What are we? And what do we do with this grace that we've received? What should we do? Let me suggest three things. First, let's rejoice. Every week when we gather, we get to sing to the Saviour who gave his life for us and has given his spirit to us. Let's glorify God for welcoming Gentiles, welcoming us. He could have left us on the outside, but from Before the dawn of time, he saw us and he loved us. He granted repentance to us that we would turn from our sin and turn to him. So how could we not love him? How could we not sing at the top of our lungs? How could our joy not overflow when we're together talking of him and his grace? He has welcomed us. Second, we welcome others. Others as he has welcomed us. People different from us. Whether they're of a different ethnicity or or language, different education level, different age, different stage of life. We don't demand that everyone be the same as us and make them feel a bit on the outer because they don't quite fit in. We don't demand that they have the same kind of music in their churches, to have exactly the same theology on various secondary issues like like baptism or or stance on creation and and, and view of end times or spiritual gifts and, and all of that. It's not to say those things aren't important, but that's not what we judge them on. There's no place for pride or superiority in the church. That's how Jewish Christians felt towards Gentiles before hearing Peter's story. We shouldn't be proud 
about our theology, our hymns, or anything that we do. We shouldn't treat any Christian out there as second as a second-class citizen because they're not like us. Now, hear me rightly. I came into the Presbyterian Church from a Baptist church because I am convinced on its theology. I'm convinced of it. But that means that I need to battle against pride in all these things. It is so easy to fall into the trap of looking down on people who don't think exactly like I do, who haven't come to the same conclusions that I have, doing things that I wouldn't do, not doing what I would. There's no place for pride in the church or looking down on others. Who am I to judge those that Jesus has welcomed? And there's also no reason to feel inferior. Like the Gentiles were on equal footing with the Jews, we are all on equal footing. Kids, you are just as important to Jesus as the grown-ups. And we love that you are here with us. Those of us who are a bit longer in the tooth, you are valuable. It doesn't matter that you can't come and help at a working bee. You're not looked down on because your memory isn't quite as good as it used to be or or your hearing is starting to go. You are just as valuable to Jesus and to us as you always were. You are welcome here because Jesus has welcomed you. And there's... and Sorry, that is a reason to rejoice and to glorify God. And lastly, to anyone here who hasn't yet believed and repented like Cornelius and his family and friends. Jesus is is holding out his arms to you right now. He is offering that same welcome that we've experienced. You know you've done things which aren't right, which need forgiveness. You know you need to have your relationship with God repaired, to have his anger at your sin turned aside. Jesus died for sinners. He rose again. He saved Peter. He saved Cornelius. And he can save you. He's offering you forgiveness and his Holy Spirit. You can be made clean. Make today the day where you turn to him and find forgiveness. And join us in glorifying God for welcoming Gentiles. Welcoming us into his church. To be welcomed by God into his church and to be given his spirit is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. It's the reason we can rejoice in the turmoil of life, in the turmoil of our world. Once we were strangers to God and his covenant, but he has welcomed us in. And so let's glorify God for welcoming Gentiles for welcoming us. And let's pray. Our God in heaven, you have been so kind to us, so gracious to welcome us in. And we do rejoice and we do glorify you for that kindness. We pray, Lord, that each and every day we would think on these things and would rejoice. 
That we would remember the death, the resurrection of Jesus, the pouring out of your spirit, the welcome that we have received, and we would truly be filled with joy, and that joy would overflow. Our God, may we welcome others as you have welcomed us. And may we see people welcomed into your kingdom, into your family, through the ministry of this church as each of us goes out and and speaks your word. As people come in during our times of worship to hear your word. Our God, may you truly welcome more and more people into your kingdom, into your family. And may we rejoice and glorify you for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.